used to think when the sun was shining, it was a sign that things were going right. I used to think when my heart was breaking, it was a sure thing that you left my side. But now I see through the years, through the joy and every tear, it's the I didn't earn on my own, I'm living proof of your grace. And every storm that can wreck this heart won't break me down, won't tear me apart from you. Give me faith. It's the way, the way you make me more like, make me more like you. Each day I see a little more of your plan. Undeserved is really given All my regrets and my failures All of my wrongs have been left at the cross Now all that remains is the Father's love Oh Lord,
Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this morning, for this chance to be together, the chance to stand in your love this morning, 
We are so grateful for that, for that grace, that mercy you give to us on a daily basis that we know that we don't deserve. Lord, this morning I ask that you bless the message we're about to receive as well as the music we play. And Lord, I ask that you pour out your blessings upon all those who are hurting. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.
You may be seated. The Bible says, if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. So let's take a moment now and go before our Lord in prayer, confessing that sin and our need for his grace. Oh, good and gracious Lord, we come to you this morning, and, and we do confess that we we sin, we fall short, we go our own way, we do our own thing. We don't always listen to you. And thank you. Thank you that you understand our sin. Thank you that you did something about that sin. Thank you for sending your son. And as we think about his life, his death, and his resurrection, as we think about the fact that he took our sin upon himself, and died on that cross, we are humbled, but our lives are blessed. So thank you that because of his death and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins and life with you forever. So Lord, we ask now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would live lives thankful, we would live lives rejoicing in all that you have done, are doing, and will do in and through us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, and we pray this in your name. Amen. And I pray that you know that good news, that no matter how much sin we have done, Jesus forgives. That's the magnitude of God's love for us in Christ. He has taken every single one of our sins, and he has taken it away so that we can be forgiven and so that we can live lives to the glory of God. Uh, a couple of quick announcements as we continue in worship. Uh, I see some guests here today. Glad that you're with us in worship. And we invite you to come back. But if you would, let us know that you're here. And how we do it now is digitally. So if you would text 1C guest to 94,000, 1C guest to 94,000, that starts the communication flow. So then we can get you more information. And if you don't want to do that, if you want to stop at Next Steps, you can do that too, which is in the family gathering area following the service. Also, this is the time where if you have a prayer request, you can submit those prayer requests uh, one of two different ways. Uh, you can text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. Or if you are on Facebook Live right now, uh, you can go to the comments section and just type in your prayer request and then we'll have those uh, for prayer time in just a little bit. Uh, also, just a reminder for those of you that are giving, uh, we are gathering it either by the box that is out in the family gathering area or you can uh, text to give, you can go online or go to our church center app. Uh, many different ways for you to be able to give to the ongoing ministry here at 1C. And then the last announcement, remember we have communion, and hopefully when you came in, you stopped by the family gathering area by the kitchen, and there are the elements. And if you didn't, you can go during the next song, and you could pick up those elements and then come back in and be ready for communion. Again, these are all the ways in which God loves us, and he meets our needs through the sacrament of Holy Communion and the blessing of his presence. We continue now as we sing.
Let's try this. Seems my battery has died. So we'll just make do if you can give me a second to get my electric. May stay a prayer for us, Chris, or something. Let's go ahead and pray, would you guys? Bow your heads, please. Father God, we're grateful again for you. In all the struggles and the troubles, the trials, the tribulations that we have. Lord, we're thankful that we can come to you with everything we have. Lord, this morning we ask that all the songs we play, the music we sing, it brings you glory. Because you're the one that gifted us with the talents that we have. And Lord, I ask that that's one of those things that you keep blessing upon us. for the anxieties that we have. And let this song glorify you. I pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Rising, even when the flood starts rising. Even 
Boys and girls, I hope you had a chance to grab one of these badges on your way into worship this morning. If you didn't, there'll be more um, on the counter by next steps that you can pick one up on your way out. Uh, but from your seats, answer nice and loud so I can hear you. Who wears a badge? Policeman, yeah. Police officers wear badges, don't they? Yes. And they wear a badge because then it shows people that they've been given the power and the authority to do certain things, right? And police officers are great because they, they serve us, they help us, they protect us from evil or bad things happening, right? Well, if something bad was happening, you might pick up the phone and dial a number, call a phone number. What number would you call? 911, that's right, you would call 911, right? And the person on the other line would find out where you're at, and then they would send someone out to help you, someone wearing a badge, and then when you see that badge, you would know, that person's here to help me, right? And they've been given the authority and the power to help. Well, did you know, boys and girls, that you are all officers? You might not be an officer in a police department, but you're an officer in Jesus' department. So if you haven't done this yet, take the backing off your badge, put it on, because every follower of Jesus is an officer in Jesus' department. He has given us the authority and the power to do the things that Jesus does. And that's to serve, to help, protect, right? And we actually see the disciples in the book of Acts chapter 5 doing this. They're, they're together and crowds of people bring sick people and people who are tormented by evil spirits to the disciples. And they're all healed. Isn't that amazing? That the disciples could heal them. And the disciples could heal them, not because the disciples were amazing people, but they were representatives. They were officers of Jesus, who is an amazing God. And he gave them the authority and power to serve people, to help people, to protect them from the evil, right? And Jesus is the greatest officer of all. Because in order to serve us, he left heaven and came to earth to serve us. And in order to protect us, he was willing to die on the cross and to rise from the grave to give us forgiveness. And then Jesus defeated the evil one that we call the devil so that we can have life with him forever. So Jesus is the greatest officer of all. Wear your, wear your badges because, boys and girls, you are officers as well. So we get to serve people, help people, and share Jesus' love with them too. All right, will you fold your hands, bow your heads, and we will invite everybody to pray with us as you repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for rescuing us and for making us your officers. Help us to serve others and share your love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg. We continue our journey as we have the theme in front of us, spirit-driven, and I want to 
give you the roadmap where we've been and, and also where we're going. When we celebrated Easter in April, it seems like forever ago, right, with COVID in between, uh, we celebrated the fact that Jesus suffered, died, rose again for the sins of the world. Then after that, the weeks following, what I did is I looked at what was called the post-resurrection appearances. It's where Jesus showed up on the scene and made the difference in somebody's life. And there were many different stories. And then we got to Pentecost. And Pentecost was that time where Jesus made a promise that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And in fact, he told the apostles, the disciples, go into Jerusalem, you wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And on that day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Remember, tongues of fire, and then they were speaking in languages that were not their own. A remarkable event. And ever since Pentecost, we've been following what I'd like to say, the Spirit-driven church. In fact, we've been looking at different characteristics of what the church is to be. In fact, I, I asked Robert, who does my slides for me, is to put all the themes on a single page and put the word to be. Because we're not just supposed to talk about what it means to be the church. We get to be the church. It's you and me who have been brought into the family of God. We have been given the great commission to go and make disciples. And we get to do it by living it out. And uh, as you see the titles up there, some of these we've already done and some are in the weeks and months to come. We talked about the fact that the church, you and me, are to be spirit-filled, sharing God's word, to be the church united, advocates of healing, courageous, to be in prayer, to be generous. Today we're talking about to be ministers. But as you look forward, we've got some interesting ones coming up as well. To be humble, to be attacked. You know, you want to come back for that one. Uh, missionaries to be evangelists, change, sent saints, bold, kingdom attentive, witnesses, joyful. The list goes on and on. In fact, we're not even going to go through the whole book of Acts um, because that would take us many, many, many more weeks. But uh, this is going to give us a pretty good picture of what does it mean to be what God has called us to be. And so the theme is to be ministers. And Acts chapter 5, 12 to 42 is the section we're going to stop and pause in right now. And uh, before I do that, I don't know what you think about the word minister. Uh, I think there's lots of different understandings, maybe even misunderstandings. So there's some people who believe that ministers are people like me who have gone to the seminary and have become ordained and now can be up here and do what I'm doing. Well, that's one term is minister, but really, all of us are ministers. Um, I've gone to Denmark a couple different times, and it's interesting that in their government, they're actually called, um, like the Department of uh, Ministry of Education, or Ministry of Social Services, or Ministry, they use that word, and I think it really helps us understand that ministry, in its purest sense, means to care for, all right? And I think that's the story. Well, I'd like to bring you back to one time where I, I got to minister, and it was uh, while I was at the seminary, they gave you uh, what they called a fieldwork church. 
It's like where you got to practice, kind of roll up your sleeves and do it. And so I got to be at a really big church in St. Louis, Missouri area, uh, North County, Chapel of the Cross. And one of the tasks I got to do was to teach confirmation. And for those of you that remember, I was not a good boy when I was a confirmand. I was horrible. I, in fact, I got my pastor to run out of class in tears because I was so brutal. So you've got to understand that. And so the phrase, what goes around comes around, is very fitting. So here I am. I don't know if it was one of the first three weeks, I think. And I was teaching confirmation. And the class was over, and I'm now getting my stuff together and getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, as I'm turning and walking away, a young man named Jason comes up and stabs me with a pen in the back. Now, I never did that to my confirmation teacher. I wasn't that bad. And I'll tell you, in that moment, in that instant, I don't think I was very godly when that happened. I didn't turn around and say, well, God bless you and thank you for doing it. Do it again. I, I, was, I was angry. Now, maybe you've had a moment where, to me, that was ministry, but it didn't turn out very well. We're going to talk about how God wants to do great and mighty things and how sometimes it's going to be really tough, really difficult where we're going to want to turn and go away and not do it again. And yet, what we find in the text for today from Acts chapter 5, the disciples kept on doing ministry. In fact, they rejoiced even after being beaten and flogged. So we're going to take that journey, we're going to take a look at that, and I'm going to challenge you and me to keep on keeping on, all right, in ministry. So let's uh, go to the text Acts chapter 5, verse 12, there's two things in here that should sound familiar to you. If you've been coming or watching online, uh, here's the, one of the things. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Uh, we've seen this phrase before. And if you recall, I said this pretty boldly. One of the many reasons why signs and wonders were done was to advance the kingdom of God. If you recall, Jesus told the disciples to go and make disciples, to get it out there, right? Get the good news out there. And so God allowed signs and wonders to be done to advance the kingdom. It got the attention of a whole bunch of people as healings and other things were taking place. But the second thing, which was a couple weeks ago, we found Peter and John at Solomon's portico, or Solomon's porch. If you remember, there was the, the lame beggar who was, uh, he hasn't walked since day one, and he was placed at the gate before the temple. And Peter and John go, there's a healing that takes place, a sign and wonder, right? Um, and then afterward, they use this opportunity to preach. And they use Solomon's portico. It's a, a nice location. Now, you recall uh, the early church, the, these new Christians, they didn't have a church building anymore. They lost the temple, right, because they were no longer um, doing that. But they did use the temple's portico or the porch. And it was big enough so that there could be large groups of people that could listen to the message being shared. So, a little backdrop to what we've seen and heard already. Now we go to verse 14, and we find that 
and more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Where have we gone? All right, Jesus, right, he had 12. Around his ascension, when he went up into heaven, there were about 120. And then we move forward in the next couple weeks to a month, and the numbers have been increasing remarkably. In fact, we're told that on Pentecost, that we find in Acts 2, 3,000 were added to the number that day alone. And now we go just a couple chapters more, which wasn't a long time after. It says, more than ever believers were added. Something was taking place. And we see this movement in the verses to come. We find uh, that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So here's what I think is happening. Ministry. Ministry is being, um, being done by these apostles, these first followers. And it was ministry that was spirit-driven. It's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit to do some fantastic things in the life of people back 2,000 years ago and even today. So what was that ministry? What did it look like? What are the marks of ministry? What is evident? Well, looking at these texts, these three verses in particular, one of them is that people are loved. And um, I don't know about you, whether it was, quote, the lame beggar or people that were at this event and, and, and were seeing what was taking place, the love of God was there, and it was almost like a receptor. Like, you come, the love of God is there for you. So you could picture this uh, long stream of people coming with cots and mats, people who have been broken, people who are hurting. They need to be loved and valued. And the apostles were spirit-driven, loving people who ever had need. Another mark of uh, ministry is people being healed. Signs and wonders. Now, a long time ago, we talked about healing, and why does God heal? Well, another question I asked was, who gets healed? And I'll just say this, everyone who is a Christian will be healed. The only question we have is when. Whether it's going to be on this earth or in the glories of heaven, we know. But sometimes, sometimes God decides to open up his kingdom in such a profound way where somebody gets a remarkable healing on this earth. And the reason why he does what he does when he does it it's all for the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's all for the glory of God. Whatever will give God the most glory, that's what he's going to do so that his kingdom, his family would expand and get bigger. So if there's a healing, it's going to be done ultimately to the glory of God. So number one mark is love. Number, second mark is people being healed. Thirdly, people are being saved. And I'll put it this way, saved from what and saved for what? The from what. And here's what I'm thinking. 
Um, we know when Jesus came, he came to seek and to save the lost. And that's what we're told in the scriptures. Well, there were a lot of people back then that were still in the midst of that being lost. And I think a lot of it was being lost in religion. Because if you recall, the system at hand before Jesus came was God was going to bring his people, you know, and, and he's going to love them. But there were certain things they had to do. And that was the sacrificial system. But when Jesus came, he says, no more of that. I'm going to give my life so you can have life. And yet, at the time, and we're going to find in just a moment, people struggled with the message. Because it doesn't make sense. Don't you have to do something for your salvation? The answer is no. It was done 100% by what Jesus did on the cross. All of sin was taken care of. And that's what the apostles got to teach and to preach. And not everyone liked this message. And we'll run into uh, somebody in a moment. Uh, the last one. People are being delivered. Now you can picture the people coming um, that were struggling with health issues. But it even talked about people who were being oppressed. God's desire is to free us from sin, death, and the devil, but he also wants us to free us from guilt, worry, anxiety. He wants to deliver us from those things that want to capture us and cause us to crumble. So marks of ministry, love, healing, salvation, and being delivered. This is the story. All right, but something happens. You can almost picture in Acts chapter 5 the music changing. So you, you got all these great things happening. People were bringing, you know, their loved ones on cots and trying, you know, for all the stuff to take place. But then we're told that the high priest, not just a priest, not just a Pharisee, not just a Sadducee, but the high priest had enough. And it says this, he rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. Jealousy. How serious and how big is jealousy? I believe God in his infinite wisdom, when he gave the Ten Commandments, he knew that jealousy was going to be crouching at all of our doors of life. And if I think about the, the two tables of the law, right, the first one is uh, the first three commandments talks about our relationship with God. But the, the last seven commandments talk about our relationship with other people. Go through the list. Don't they all kind of come back to this idea of jealousy? I mean, commandments 9 and 10, pretty simple to see, right? Don't covet anything. In other words, don't be jealous for other things that people have, whether it's other people's wives, or other people's possessions. But you go down to the other ones. Don't commit adultery. Isn't that like jealousy for somebody else? Or don't steal. Or don't gossip and bear false witness because you're trying to drag down somebody. So this jealousy is at the heartbeat of humanity, and we see the high priest stepping up and saying, you know, that he doesn't like what he sees. And Luke gives us a little hint that jealousy is at the heart of what's taking place. 
All right, so um, a little word of caution for you. There is always opposition to the word of God. We can go into the Old Testament. We can see where the prophet of God was now going to speak the word of God to nations or even to the children of Israel. And every time there was opposition to it. The nations would rise up, right? The other nations, their armies would get big and they would come against the children of Israel. But they really weren't coming against the children of Israel. That's what it looked like. Really what they were doing is coming against God himself and his word. I mean, look at Jesus when he walked the face of the earth. We see it in his public ministry when he was age 30 to 33. It seemed like everything he said started to offend people. In fact, very early on in his ministry, they started to plot to kill Jesus. In other words, to try to you know, put down this word of God and um, actually kill the, uh, the word of God named Jesus. So there is opposition. Then we look into the book of Acts, and we're now going to see it, especially in this chapter, opposition. And we see it with the high priest. It's not just anybody. It's the high priest who comes up against the word of God. And um, it's not good. In fact, we find what goes on. So they're put into prison. And, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now remember, they were told not to teach, not to preach in the name of Jesus. This is where that phrase I said earlier comes. I believe we're supposed to keep on keeping on. No matter what opposition, no matter what kind of trial or trouble, we are to keep on keeping on with bringing the word of God and the message of God's love to people. No matter what. And we'll see a little bit of the no matter what. Um, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council. So this is where they found him in the, in the temple again. And they were all upset. So they said, okay, bring him back in. And so they brought them back and they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. We told you to shut up. But the apostles couldn't. They were compelled. Something with inside of them said, we have to keep preaching. We need to keep proclaiming. We, keep, we need to keep bringing the kingdom of God to the people. And even if it meant our life was in danger. So what happened after this was they were asked to kind of step out of the room. And then they had, they had a conversation. And in the conversation, they were ready to, to want to stone them and kill them. Because they wanted to really um, put this word of God behind them. But Gamaliel, he's one of the rabbis. He is, um, in, histor in history itself, Gamaliel is one of the top teachers of the Pharisees. He kind of steps up. And he says, I don't think we should. And in Acts 5, we find that he gives a, gives a couple different examples of when they, they went and killed some of the people that were speaking 
it just added more fuel to the fire. They said, we can't do that. So rather they decided they were going to beat the apostles. And it was more like a flogging. It was painful. And then they were told to go and, and do this no more. But here's what we find. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Once again, they are compelled it's almost as if it just keeps brewing in the heart and in the mind and in the life of a follower of Jesus to say, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to preach the name of Jesus no matter what happens to me. So this statement I hope you can relate to as you look at the book of Acts. Ministry, which is, again, loving and healing and saving and delivering, I mean, taking the word of God and giving it to people, it's risky business. In fact, I'd like to tell you a story and actually read part of it. Uh, how many of you have ever heard of Corey Ten Boom? Okay. Some of you, not a lot of you. Incredible story. This goes back into the, um, we'll say the 40s, uh, 1940s. And um, she and her parents and her sister um, they were harboring Jews in the Netherlands because as the Nazi regime was getting bigger and stronger, they were going into all different countries, and what they would do is they would grab the Jewish people, they would put them in a concentration camp, and ultimately kill them. They were so compelled by the gospel that they were willing to do risky business, which was harboring and creating a hiding place for Jews, that they were willing to risk everything for that. Well, what ends up happening is they get arrested and they get imprisoned. And so I'd like to read a, a little bit of the background to um, at least Corey Ten Boom's perspective. All right. Um, uh, along with her sister, Betsy, she was forced to sleep on straw-covered platforms in a filthy barracks where the plumbing had backed up. The stench was unbearable. And then fleas infested the area. Corey asked Betsy, how can we live in this place? Betsy prayed out loud that God would show them how. This is what Corey wrote about their conversation that followed. Corey, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was First Thessalonians, I said. Oh, yes, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. 
At that point, the two sisters began to make a mental gratitude list. They had been assigned together. They were able to sneak their Bible past the inspectors, and because the room was crammed, when they spoke of Jesus, many heard of him. Corey's writing continued. Thus began the closest, most joyous weeks of all the time in Ravensbrook, in the sanctuary of God's fleas. Betsy and I ministered the word of God to all in the room. We sat by deathbeds that became doorways of heaven. We watched women who had lost everything grow rich in hope. We prayed beyond the concrete walls for the healing of Germany, of Europe, of the world. Betsy died in that prison, but Corey went on to write dozens of books about her experience. Many of her quotes depict her incredible faith in tough times. And I remember seeing and watching the movie entitled The Hiding Place. And it was so surreal. How can somebody go through so much and stay the course so that other people can know Jesus? It's because... You're compelled by the gospel. It's when the Holy Spirit is driving within your heart and your mind and your life that life is more important than just yourself. And that's what ministry is. To me, this is this is like remarkable. They had been just beaten and flogged. They had gone through horrific circumstances. And then we're told, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, not just any name, but the name of Jesus, right? And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. How do you feel when you hear that? I'm going to admit, there are times when I'm doing ministry and it's a little bit uncomfortable or it's a little bit inconvenient. And I don't rejoice. I might even complain. What an example of followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, who, compelled by the gospel, move forward in faith, keep on keeping on, rejoicing while they're doing it. When I came across this Acts 5 uh, scripture, I, uh, and I've been praying, Lord, I want to be like this. I want to be spirit-driven, I want to rejoice, and I want people around me to say, hey, there's something different about you. You know, you've been going through some really tough times. And yet you have this attitude of thanksgiving. I really think that's the key for the world in which we live in. We, we get to be the hope for this world, right? Because Jesus lives inside of us. So what if, what if people like you and me with our family, our friends, our co-workers, our classmates, our neighbors, you name it, whoever we get to come in contact with, that we would rejoice 
in God's grace. That we would rejoice no matter what is going on. I don't know about you, I've complained about COVID a couple times. And the inconvenience. Can you imagine if I would replace my complaining about COVID to rejoicing that God is faithful? Can you imagine how that could maybe turn, turn this world, which is so dark, into something that can be, well, have light? So my prayer for us is that the same Holy Spirit that was powerfully at work with those first followers, they loved, they, they talk about this healing that Jesus can give, they talked about salvation, which is oh, forgiveness and life forever with Jesus, and also deliverance. That's what they were about. I want to, I want to be about that too, and I'm going to pray that you would be as well, more than ever before. That it is the filter for your calendar. That it is the filter for how you relate to your spouse and to your kids and to your coworkers. It's the heartbeat of the church ministry. And again, we've, we're just following the leader, Jesus. He is the one who ultimately loved, ultimately heals, ultimately saves, ultimately delivers. And we get to be the ambassadors of this message. In fact, I love this last picture. Um, rejoice and be glad. And I'm thinking, you know where it begins? Where Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'll even add to that. Unless you have the faith of a little child, you don't understand the kingdom of heaven. So may we have that faith of a little child that rejoices in God, whether it's going great or we're having struggles. All for the glory of God and to further his kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning with just that kind of faith as a little child. And we know that you hear us when we pray. We are praying for our president, for our country, for all of the leadership that they would turn to you. We pray for those who are struggling with health issues, who are struggling with cancer. We pray for those who are fighting addiction and walking the journey of the recovery road. We pray for family and friends to stay safe and healthy through COVID. And Lord, I thank you for everything that you have done for me. A prayer for family members who are traveling across the country for vacation, traveling mercies, Lord. A prayer for baby Matthew, his parents, and his sister, that he would grow in strength. He was born five weeks early we are praying for him to be able to come home soon. A prayer for our good friend, Al, who was just diagnosed with terminal cancer, given one to two months to live. Walk with him, Jesus, and give him strength to face this hard news and help him to know that when his day comes, he will step into heaven. A prayer for myself as though medical issues and a pray for my brain scan to come back good. Lord, I'm praying for a kidney transplant. I need a kidney. I need it to be a match. And also I'm praying for America and the virus. A 
prayer for eye surgery and that the recovery would be well. A prayer for my friend who is struggling with anxiety. Please remind her that you are always with her and help her to turn to you and reach out to others whenever she feels anxious. Please watch over, guide, and protect my son and the rest of the Boy Scouts at Camp Cedars this week. And thank you for all you have done for me, my family, and 1C. Please, Lord, continue to guide and protect us and help us to walk the path that you've chosen for us. A prayer for Sean Howell, that justice will be served. Prayers for Kelly and Jet to have a safe trip to Florida tomorrow. And a prayer for my sister Serenity, that she have a safe weekend with her dad. And thank you, Jesus, again. You have heard and you will respond. You hold us close and we take our rest in that. And we are grateful that you gave us a prayer to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. At this time, I ask you to please take the elements out and have those ready. Just a reminder, what I'll be doing is sharing the words of institution first. And again, these are the words that Jesus gave us so that we can have this precious meal. So just listen to those words, and then I will then invite you to take these elements individually. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, if you would open up the bread, the body of Christ, and take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would, open up the wine or the, the juice, the blood of Christ, and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. We thank you for this gift of Holy Communion, given out of love and received by faith. And we thank you for the gifts given in this meal, the forgiveness of our sins, the strengthening of our faith, and the reminder once again that you are always with us. May we, your people, now forgiven and empowered, go from here 
giving you thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. Jesus, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. I would like to introduce Nate Meyer to you from the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Uh, Nate is going to tell us a little bit about LCEF. And so, Nate, thank you for being here. Thank you, Greg. Good morning. My name is Nate Meyer. I represent Lutheran Church Extension Fund in the Nebraska district. And uh, this morning, we get to celebrate the outreach work of 1C and specifically in the Ministry of the Seekers of Serenity outreach and that is a, also known as SOS ministry and uh, Lutheran Church Extension Fund is proud to help make this possible. Three words for LCEF for Lutheran Church Extension Fund, borrow, support, invest. They, these describe the work of LCEF. 
borrow, we help Lutheran ministries across our church body, the LCMS, to borrow funds to help expand their ministries or plant new ones. Take, for example, Camp Luther or Concordia University in Seward as just a couple examples of Nebraska ministries that are borrowers of LCEF. And uh, beyond that, support. Lutheran Church Extension Fund helps and supports ministries to grow their ministries. Invest. We depend on uh, individuals and organizations to get connected with us and invest with us to invest in ministry. And we, in turn, help them re earn a return on their investments. Now, as God has blessed the work of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, we are able to give back. We are able to give back to the Nebraska District and uh, the ministries in the Nebraska District, including 1C. And uh, the, in this case, we are supporting you through our outreach grants for your Seekers of Serenity ministry. And I want to, Greg to share a little bit more about that ministry at this time. Yeah, thank you. So we're excited to have Seekers of Serenity Place coming to worship with us on a weekly basis. Um, and so back in January, a group of us started going to Seekers of Serenity Place the third Wednesday of each month uh, to share Christ's love and basically get to, to know them better, to build relationships. And so we take homemade snacks, take some games, and spend some time uh, from 6.30 to 7.45, third Wednesday of each month, uh, visiting and, and spending time with them. And then we get to close in prayer. And so we've been doing that with a short break due to COVID in there. Um, but that resumed this last Wednesday as well, and we'll continue on. Um, and we wanted to do more, uh, more than just visit and, and get to pray and, and meet uh, the people. So uh, we applied for this grant. Um, and so thank you, Nate and LCEF, for um, awarding us this grant so that we can provide materials, devotionals, Bibles, things like that to, um, to give out as well as to help the residents there as they transition into the next phase of their life to stay connected to Christ as well in the transition. And so on behalf of Lutheran Church Extension Fund and the Nebraska District, we present this outreach grant check for $1,000 to 1C. Thank you very much, Nate, and thank you to LCEF. Um, one other quick announcement. We have a More Than a Movie Night coming up on Tuesday at 1 o'clock where we're going to be watching the movie Mulan and see, uh, have some snacks, some interaction, and see how scripture can tie into this movie Mulan. So it's open to all families and people to come and join us Tuesday at 1 p.m. Um, as we go out from here, we go knowing that we are ministers of Jesus. Uh, we wear the badge that he's given us and the authority and the power that we have to share his love and to help and to serve people. So as you go, go with God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Please rise for our last song.
Everybody go in peace and serve the Lord.